Hello and welcome to the Clearly Podcast. My name's Andy Clark. I'm Shailen Jitasama. And I'm Tom Goff. And today's show is all about how much data is enough. Chuck it all in. Tom, See you start off on this one. I know, <laughs> I know you've got some strong feelings here. And maybe explain what we're talking about when we say chuck it all in. So, yeah, the, the I mean, this whole bit about chuck it all in is there is a uh, there's a significant temptation when you've got any system gathering data from different places to when you and you're, you're instigating a data project you know you've got a, an amount of time that you will have resource available to be pulling data out of that system and loading it into say your data warehouse or wherever you're, you're sending that data to it's very, very tempting to just go, well, let's just sling all the tables in there, all the data. Let's not be selective about it because we don't know what we're going to need down the line. And if we can spend our time and effort now doing that, we know that we've got everything there that's available then for um, reporting whenever we need it. We're not going to need to do another project to start loading more data in the future we've got it all it's all there it's all ready to go um and yeah that as i said there, there is that temptation as uh as i say there's a uh, very easy to to go down the route of just wanting to throw everything in um really indiscriminately like that so you know the devil's advocate approach or response to all of that is well why not you know storage is comparatively cheap these days um while we've got the expertise on site to go and start building out our data lake, data warehouse, um, one lake, wherever it's all going, um, why not do that? If we want to take maybe, let's take a couple of systems as, uh, as examples, really, and uh, just have a, a look at what that would mean on those systems. Um, and if we think about something like uh, Dynamics 365 FNO, that's a system that runs to something like 7,000 tables in there, um, just out of the box. Um, and a lot of the time, a lot of implementations, you're not going to use every single one of those tables. It would be, it'd be an unusual organization that uses absolutely every single feature in something like Dynamics. And I'm sure Salesforce, I don't know Salesforce as well as you do, Andy, I know, but... I'm sure Salesforce is a, is a similar situation, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, yeah, I think for any modern business application, you know, we're going to be talking, you know, many, many thousands of tables, but mm -hmm. with a very limited number that you actually need because there's a whole load of tables that just, you know, support all the other tables in various yeah. ways. And uh, I mean, what you end up with then is the, there'll be tables you're not, writing to at all or not using at all because you're not using those particular modules if you are using d365 fno and you're not a manufacturing business you're not going to be writing anything to your production orders tables because you're not creating production orders so all you're doing then is creating clutter that makes it hard to read and it's hard to then find the tables you're actually interested in when there might be 50 or 60 tables you're interested in. And if you've got 6,000 in there, you're using 1% of everything that you're then importing. 
And if you were to pick a table at random and there was a 99% chance that that had nothing to do with anything you want to report, that's not a great ratio. So it makes it no, and then you know, the, and the problem is, sorry, Tom, is that you know when you're going through and searching for those tables or searching through them, you could have several hundred fields. You have to go and scan across and mm -hmm. go and look and see if the data is there, yes or no. Yeah. I think the other thing you find is uh, tables can be can have pretty similar names. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, if you've got a bunch of incorrect tables in there with similar naming, so you have to go and search through ten tables, each with a hundred fields say to go and find something you're looking for that's going to take a while yeah and you know there's a lot of tables in there that simply support app functionality and don't hold anything you wish to analyze and that there'll be amounts of logging and just that will hold the audit history of something that you need to have and you might need it for uh, regulatory reasons but you don't need to be building bi reporting on it so it's a it's a matter of being focused. What does it do for your, your refresh, Shailen? Yeah, because the other reason of why not is exactly that, refresh. <laughs> right? So because if you throw all the tables in, um, the next question, well, people will always say, storage is cheap. Let's have everything. Okay, so storage is cheap. What about the refresh rate? Because then they'll say, well, actually, Overnight, you know, the traditional, you'd normally have a traditional um, overnight run right, uh, in terms of a, just a traditional data warehouse. But more and more clients are now asking for, well, actually, can we have every hour? Because with Power BI as a service, even with Power BI Pro, we can refresh every hour, you know, the eight times a day. So can we refresh our data warehouse eight times a day, every hour? Fine. If you have 7,000 tables, it takes time. It may take over an hour to refresh them all, especially if you have, because it's not because then the next thing will say, right, but only take the, the changes across. So there's a full push, as in take all the data, or an incremental. However, incremental is not a case, it's not as easy as these are, just take these transactions. It still has to perform some calculations to determine what's new. When was that last timestamp? and snapshot of data, and then take the incremental um, records across, but it still has to scan across all of the tables. Yeah. So really, you know, we, we would recommend, and we have many times, is only take the tables or entities you need, only take the fields across that you really need. Now, yes, you can take all of the fields to a staging area within a data warehouse, um, and then maybe take across to some uh, a presentation area the fields that you need, but you know the the whole nirvana of people saying we would like our users to create their own reports. You're kind of a bordering on that self-service part, and you don't want to bombard your users with every single field available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and then yeah. they're just not if, going to create their own reports. And you know if. if People are not expert in that sort of system. They need something that's been curated and is something that they can then, is focused, is curated, it's something that they can use and they know it's usable. Where if you have everything, 
you're going to spend for, unless you really know those fields, you're going to spend forever finding them. Yeah. Well, with also with the way that, you know, field naming can work, you know, there are some applications, JD Edwards, for example, that have got codes against mm -hmm. fields. So there isn't any proper naming. This code says, you know, data dictionaries, you can go and search to go and find out what it is. Um, FNO, I think, is all capitalized, for example, with no spaces. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, looking across those tables, it's not easy to read. And to go and give, you know, an untrained or semi-trained user mm -hmm. that type of scenario, they're going to give up pretty quickly. Yeah, but also with both FNO and Salesforce, you can display a totally different name to what the back end says. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Difference between field name. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And you know, like in FNO, you could have it displaying everything in French, but the database is still in English. Yeah. 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 Because the other thing I was going to say was on the when you connect um, Power BI to a to some you know um, to a table, as you've got your data in in um, an Azure environment, when you connect Power BI. The first thing, once it connects, it will look at all of the fields that are available. Now, if you remove the columns, because yes, you know, people say, okay, now I only want these columns. Well, that's an additional step in the query. Once you've added that step. So to start with just what you need first, rather than exposing everything that you may not use. Yeah. So there's a school of thought, which is, you know, only carry what you need to survive, which I got from Patrick LeBlanc at uh, a power something world yeah. tour thing in Houston several years ago. But that stuck with me, um, that approach for everything that I do. And, you know, I tell people that on a regular basis. I've got a question on the storage side. Hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, modern applications maybe because storage is getting cheaper, churn out a lot of data. Is storage really that cheap? When you think of, uh, you know, a large organization with modern business applications, creating lots and lots and lots of data, it adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. And you it's know, not that cheap, is it? And you know, even when the storage is cheap, if you've got that much data, the processing starts to get pricey because... Yeah. You know, if, if you've got millions upon millions of rows of data, I mean, into billions, trillions of rows, you're going to be throwing something like Synapse or Fabric at it, and that's going to start getting pricey to start yeah. throwing enough compute to actually handle that data. So, you know, it may be sat there, it may be costing you $50 a month or something to store it all, but if it's then going to cost you... $2,000 a month to process it, suddenly that storage that's very cheap starts to look very expensive to use. Is it, because there's the other part, when you talk about processing, Tom, you know, when, it, when people start off with something like Azure, they'll say, fine, we'll use this DTU model, basic or standard, mm. and um, 250 gig, yeah, that's plenty. But as it as your data starts to grow, the processing required outside even of you know ADF or anything, you know you will need more processing just on that on the SQL side as well, um, yeah. and that's when people will go okay fine, 
because it's quite easy. It's extremely easy to slide the scale, right? Just slide <laughs> it and say, right, we need more. Yeah. We need more. We need more processors. And it all adds up. What started off or what may have started off as a, I'm going to go with the, the one of the smallest and cheapest options, right? What may have started off as a $20 database a month, yeah, will now be thousands of dollars a month. Mm. They get you with that $20 per month database don't you and you, you know that's how that's 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 how you get in on the whole thing and then soon as you know it you're hooked you can't get out the, the, that's it you have lots of people using it as well sorry yeah sorry. The, oh. as I said, the phrase i've heard on that one is uh boiling the frog because you, you're just yep. gradually increasing that the price like if you if you the, I mean, the idea being if you put a frog in cold water and then start yep. to boil it the frog doesn't notice it's being boiled because it is gradually increasing in temperature. But, you know, the same thing happened. This is how... Um... Don't try that at home, kids, <laughs> yeah. by the way. We're not advocating... frogs We're not, not ad on. Not advocating... Actually, I'm serious about that. Not advocating think, actually yeah. boiling a frog. I'm also not advocating just letting your Azure expenses get massively out of control by gradually notching them up every month so you don't notice yeah. that happening. And yeah. it, that's where, and that's where that spend gets out of control. It's just that sort of notching it up that little bit each month. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's very easy to suddenly lose control of that pricing. The other, and let's not forget. Oh, sorry, Sheldon, you go. Yeah, I was going to say, Andy. Sorry. Yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to just touch upon was error handling and identifying where there may be errors. Now, if you have ten fields, it might be quite easy to spot where those errors are. If yeah. something fails to process, if you have every single field in every single table, where do you start? Yep. Yeah. Yes, you can look at, and there are some logs available to help you, um, but you're actually just trawling through and trying to understand where that error error may be. Um, yeah. So I think with just handling errors, that it will it'll definitely take time. Yeah. And another one I'm going to throw in there is environmental. In the, you know, if you just go and throw all that stuff, it's got to sit in a data center somewhere. It's got to be processed, you know, and, you know, data centers nowadays and computing as a whole nowadays, you know, is a significant drain on resources, you know, facts. So, you know, if we can be, I think, a little bit cleaner and more concise with our with our data and what we're storing and what we do or don't need to store, then, you know, there, there is some have a small, but still important environmental impact. Because and it may not be as small as we think sometimes. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah it, you know, I mean, that is a fair point. And I mean, there is a lot well, increasingly more talk about what the environmental impact is of um, data processing in general. And, I mean, when people start talking about streaming services and are they are they more environmentally sound than physical media? Well, actually, it's not as clear cut as physical media being lumps of plastic you're sending around. Streaming may not actually be as clean as as you would imagine, but that's complete digression. <laughs> well, it's important in the context of this. I think if you you know if you if you everybody wants to go and hoard their emails, for example, or you know whatever data that you don't need and should be archived or maybe should just be deleted, then you know there is a 
there's a, a monetary cost to that and there's environmental costs to all of that. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's important. Yeah, we're 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 constantly asked for um you know um, health checks because we provide lots of health checks and we provide health checks in especially environment health checks around your um Azure environments, um, also on-premise as well. But from a cloud perspective, we are asked um, to perform some health checks and provide health checks where they may have tried something. And I don't, I'm not going to mention, you know, that, but other, others may have tried something as well. Yeah, and they may have been using some reporting or data warehousing. But the key thing, the the key kind of theme and the, a common theme is, it's just slow to process. It's slow to retrieve data, yeah. um, and it just keeps on increasing. And we have more users, and users will switch off because they can't produce their reports. Mm. So can you help? Yeah. Can you? And so that's that's what we do. We do, we do a lot of auditing, and we do a lot of providing health checks, and and that's what we find. One of the the things that we find is, what well, do you use all of this information? You know, once you've got it in there, there's another step to do something else and another step to do something else. And it and it doesn't help with, you know, it, I, I, I suppose it, even if where we've seen before when um, we've seen um, organizations write reports direct to source, even at that point, even if they're going direct to source, they're probably producing, they are extracting everything out. You're trying to extract mm. everything out. And then you have it the other way, where it's not your Azure or, or your data warehouse that can't cope. It's the Power BI report can't cope either mm. yeah, because the model's too big. We had one recently, Tom. Do you remember when the model was so big, they said, okay, that's fine. We might have to go to premium. But because then we'll have an increased data size, right? Data mm. set size. However, the data set, yes, was quite large, but they weren't using half of it and they yeah. didn't need all of that data. Was just, just as well, challenge, and that, so just put, put me in mind uh, as well when, um, when it comes to looking to the future and if you ever wish to migrate off your system, so whatever, whatever system or whatever reporting mechanism you're using today, if that contains every table that you've ever thought of in that was in the source system if you ever want to move that to another environment so say you've got it on azure today you want to move to aws in the future you've either got to migrate every single one of those data entities or you're going to have to at that point bite the bullet and decide what you actually use and need so it's it's the thing that the more you unnecessarily put stuff into an environment, the more closely you are tied to that environment into the future. How common is it that you're having the conversation where somebody wants to go and chuck it all in? They, they, they ask all, well, yeah. no, I'd say we don't, we don't necessarily do it, but they do ask, can we just no. bring everything yeah. across? I, I think I think the conversation probably comes. I would say it comes up about fifty-fifty in projects about this because you. What I've tended to find is that the the question either goes in one extreme of 
get everything. Um, and you have to sort of talk people down from that one. Or the other extreme, which is actually potentially just as bad, is I want this report. I need these three tables for it. Just do that bit. And yeah, I agree. That other extreme can be just as bad because it means you're doing nothing to future proof it at all, yeah. rather than going too far to. So it's it is there is definitely a middle ground, and I think generally the the conversation that will come in from a lot of customers, particularly if you're talking to somebody sort of less technical, is either they it will go down the route of get everything, or it will be going down the route of don't get anything like enough. And you're always going to be talking in one direction or the other. Yeah. How often have you been in a situation that somebody has said, chuck it all in, you've given them very well-reasoned, well-argued advice not to, but they've gone and done it anyway? Um. I would say that's quite, I mean, actually doing that is quite unusual because we would typically say, no, we're not doing it because it's just, we're not prepared to just bill you an indefinite amount of money to keep doing this and knowing that the customer will just get completely fed up with wanting that product. That project will just, it will get canned partway through. So yeah. we won't, we just won't buy into it. I think there are cases where people have then attempted to do it for themselves and realized what they're getting themselves into. And yeah. that they, again, once people start to do it, they realize that you've just got to stop and no, it's not going to work. Shailen, would you, would you use, on a Teams meeting, would you use your, you're having a giraffe coffee mug? <laughs> and strategically drink from it when somebody's asking a question about moving all the data into the data warehouse. I would do that. I agree. <laughs> but we, um... Just for anybody non-British, sorry, anybody non-British listening, you're having a giraffe, you're having a laugh. And... Um... We had a we had a client where um a client where they did want everything, but it was one of the business units wanted everything, and even though that we couldn't stop them, the internal IT department stopped it. And so yeah. um yeah, but they didn't need everything. Um. So, okay, so, I mean, just in case somebody's in the situation, they're listening to this and, you know, they are in that situation, let's just go and recap on the top reasons, you know, maybe like so top threes at the end of this, but, you know, Tom, let's start with you because um, you were more impassioned about this subject <laughs> than the rest of us, although the three of us, you know, can get pretty ranty on this particular one. Um, you know, client says to you, yeah, let's just move the whole thing over. What what, what are your top three or how many you want to list reasons why? Just so somebody's got the, the snippets of the arguments. Yeah, so I think top reason is that you need to just curate this stuff so that you've got some focus and you can actually find relevant data. 
Because if you've got everything, you'll never find your relevant data. Second one is, in terms of implementation, it's going to take you forever to do it. And that's going to cost a fortune. And thirdly, even though storage is cheap, processing definitely isn't. So, you know, and what you may be, you may not cost you that much in uh, storing all this data, it will cost you in processing. So, you know, you, it may feel like you're saving money by doing it now when you've got resource available, but long term, that saving will evaporate. Yeah, very fast. Shailen? Anything to add to that? Um, yeah. So, all of those, Tom. Yeah. So you covered off processing because processing not of not just on you know um, processing once you've got the data and moving it because there's a processing element there, but processing within that environment as well. Yeah, because as data grows, you do require more processing resource. Um, now. The other things, though, would be security, because now you've added another layer where you've got the data and all of the data. So if you've secured yeah. your source systems um, and only certain people can view certain projects, certain information and data, well, now you've got all of that data elsewhere as well. Do you really need that data? And it actually goes down to um, from a you know report perspective as well. If you don't need to drill down to those detailed transactions, do you really need those detailed transactions? You, know, you could roll them up. Yep, there are ways to do that instead. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to cover off security, um, processing power. You've covered and overall, you know, capacity and constraints there. And yeah. Yeah. Think about yeah. I mean, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just going through the list that I made while we were talking. So it's, you know, the refresh rates and whether actually you can manage the refresh that you want to within the business. So, you know, if uh, an organization wants certain aspects, we've done on an hourly basis or, for example, throughout the working day, if we think about Power BI Pro, you've got six refreshes. You know, the, the, the refreshes could take a long time and trip over. You've got, you know, potentially if you want to go and do that, the challenges with some organizations with incremental refreshes, especially if it's high transactional volumes, um, incremental gets a bit more difficult because obviously you're adding to transactions while the incremental is being processed. I know there are ways around it, but it's not necessarily that simple. Um, and I think we've got the environmental aspects that, you know, you're just storing a whole load of stuff in a data center with lots of machines, wearing away, consuming electricity, generating heat, blah, 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 blah all the things that happen with data centers that we're all too well aware of. And if people are really adamant that they want everything, you could do a, uh, I would say, you know, Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. Um, yeah. Start with the reports. Yeah? yeah. And actually look at the reports and what you're trying to report on and then work backwards to see what's required. Yeah, and to Tom's point, you know, it's not too much, it's not too little. Let's just start off with what you need, as you say, Shailen. It's what are the tables that support that, maybe with a few other hand-picked ones that you think or, you know, your consultants advise that you'll probably need at some point, um, but no need to go any further mm -hmm. than that. And add over time. And it is perfectly 
normal to go and do that. I mean, you know, Tom, the chat that you and I had last week um, around, you know, when's it time to go and rebuild a model? Um, business changes over yeah. time. You know, the requirement is going to change for what you need over time. Does that lean on the for everything in their argument to a small degree? Yes, but um, overall, that's a bad idea. So don't do it. Don't put all your data in the data warehouse or data lake or data whatever you're going to put it, and don't boil frogs. Yep, kids and I think, or adults and I think or anybody. You, I think if you do need a, a a very final argument to stop somebody putting everything into uh, the data warehouse, is just tell them how many days it's going to take on a system to to achieve that. Just in terms yeah, of exactly. the implementation yeah. time, because if you can do, even if you can do ten tables a day. On Dynamics 365, that's a 600-day project. And when you see the bill for that, you're not going to want to do it anymore anyway. <laughs> that may reduce somebody's motivation. Yeah. I can see the common it, sense it is, with that. It is, a, is a, yeah, definitely a, uh, it's definitely a demotivational uh, yeah. speech to give. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. All right, guys, look, that's been great. When the, oh, we're kind of like 29 minutes now, so we're kind of hovering around the 30 minutes, which is where we aim to be each week. Next week, people, what should we do? Dare I say, should we venture on to... I, I think we better... I, I was heading... Yeah, I think we better head towards Fabric soon. Yep. Cause... Because if we, if we don't do it soon, they're going to basically rename it to something else. Yeah. I will have missed the fabric <laughs> era completely. Yeah, so we'd so, uh, better get our uh, backsides into gear on that one. Everybody's happy about what the homework assignments are for the next week. <laughs> fabric it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, as ever, you've both been wonderful. Um, speak next week. Cheers, Andy. Thanks, Thanks all.